Welcome to Crack On, the podcast that explores times in life where we just had to get on with it, or as I like to call it, finding the crack in cracking on. This week, I had the pleasure of catching up with my old friend, Amber Jean Rowan, actress, model and founder of Hair Free Life. I always knew Amber was a strong woman with ambition and drive, but this conversation really opened my eyes to the struggles she's gone through after losing her hair at the age of 15. And she blew my mind with her sunny outlook and how well she has coped throughout. Everyone can take something from Amber's wisdom. I really hope you enjoy. Okay, so welcome to Crack On, Amber Rowan. Marie Doyle, we were just literally speaking before we started recording about how long it's been since we've seen each other. And I think we've decided that I've been here six years, you've been here four, so maybe maybe 10 years I don't know oh my god that is so weird that Um, makes me sad I went through like you were such a huge part of my growing up and I saw you what like twice a week every week for years (laughs) but that's the thing it was such a big part of our life like genuinely going to Betty and Norton theater school was such a huge huge part and when I when she passed away was it last year or two years ago I remember kind of going back down memory lane and looking at all the the old mad DVD and videos from all the um, make a movie courses that we did. It was just such a wonderful, amazing part of my life. And I always say to my partner, Ben, now that I really want to, if I have kids, lucky enough to have kids, I would 100% want them to be a part of some kind of dramatic society oh my god I completely agree like I um so my three sisters all went to Betty Ann's as well and I was the only one that kept it up to like the point of wanting to do it seriously but Mm -hmm. I realize now like later in life just how much it stood to all of us like just in terms of public speaking or being able to Mm hold a conversation it just gives you so much confidence and I completely agree it's such a thing I want my kids to do you know but I'm like I also want my kids to all be like really dramatic like actors (laughs) and (laughs) I think that's one thing also when you speak about like public speaking be able to work in a team be able to think on your feet and just having that confidence that you can stand in front of people and kind of make a fool of yourself I think it kind of as much as there's lots of egos within the acting space I do think when you're kind of in it or in a scene when whatever age you are that's kind of when the ego kind of goes away and it's such a lovely Mm. like place to be free and the right times in my life when I look back and what we'll delve into I'm sure within the podcast of like the tough times in my life genuinely going to Betty Ann Northen and I had another one called ITW Mm. they were my saving grace because during those times during those hours and hours and hours during the week and weekend, I literally bloody live in the places. And that was my time when things that uh, shit that was kicking off, you know, out in school or with my friends and with my hair loss, which we'll, we'll delve into as well, mm. was the main thing that made me feel free and my hair loss didn't matter there. And it was almost kind of like the drama, the drama people didn't really care, didn't really question because they only cared about whether you, you know, your lines and if you can, do I the know. dance in Chicago and that was the that was the most important thing you know so it's, it's so true we're, we were all just kind of like coming together and completely finding ourselves but also not caring what other people were doing and it mm-hmm. I completely agree and it's funny you say that like 
because I yeah I mean we spent so much time in in Betty Ann's and I you know as you know I'm getting married in a few weeks and I realized like I have this thing and it's going to sound so strange but I have this thing about the month of May because um I just I feel like it's a a month that like you're almost like the whole year is like leading up to it and I realized and that's why we chose May to get married in because I just love Mm -hmm. it I feel like it's like you know like in school it was always like you're coming to the end of the school year and it's getting really exciting and then I realized like mixed bag which was like our big play (laughs) at the end of of like the drama season was always on like and it actually usually fell on my dad's birthday which is the 26th of May and we're getting married on the 28th and that's honestly it's the Friday of that week because I have this kind of like feeling of like gearing up to this big exciting day and it's just so funny that Betty Alice was like the reason (laughs) I can imagine I just remember all the crack crack we used to have like backstage running around and the costumes and everything it was just such wonderful time in my life that I'll always remember and when you asked me to do this podcast when we were speaking about it it just kind of brought me back to all those days and all the memories of literally us in our in our school uniforms our catholic school girl uniforms bitching about all our friends and you know know, preparing preparing our Shakespeare I know I know it's so funny well like obviously we will get in to all of this so I want to you know let's let's go straight into it because Mm. there is obviously so much to discuss um and you know you touched on it a little bit there so I am assuming you have lots of things to share with me about (laughs) times in your life where you had to overcome and find the crack in cracking on so what are you thinking you want to talk about today well one of the main things that well I've spoke about it a lot and over the past two years it's kind of been the topic of conversation if I am doing anything like this or perhaps any kind of media or press or whatever that might be and it's speaking about my alopecia so my alopecia came about probably when when we knew each other Mm -hmm. I think we knew each other a bit, bit before but when I was 15 I noticed my hair started falling out and within the space of a year it was basically completely completely gone and then two years after that my eyebrows and eyelashes started to fall out so that's been in my life one of the I would say the main or one of the main big challenges in my life and looking now as a 28 year old woman it's not necessarily the hair loss but it's the habits and the personality traits I developed from having alopecia which I only kind of found out later on in life. So my my alopecia to me was just something that was, yeah, it was fucking hard. When I was 15, all my friends, we wanted to just be going to Wesley and, you know, kissing boys and, you know, drinking and all the rest of it, which I was doing, but I had the kind of extra, um, extra more things to deal with for example you know going to Wes and and my hair was falling out in patches and I had to um spray this brown spray all over my patches to basically hide the kind of pink baldingness of my scalp essentially and I remember we were in the middle of any Irish people listening which I'm sure they are in the middle of Herbert Park and literally the heavens just opened obviously like in Ireland and I just remember that feeling as a like a 16 year old girl of shit you know this brown spray that I've put in my hair is now going to dribble all down my face which it did and then my gorgeous friends at the time kind of ran over to me and just kind of put up my hood and meanwhile I was you know half an agon and a parade in so I was a bit (laughs) not not really realizing what was happening so throughout my teenage years there was tons of moments like this that I kind of had to kind of had to deal with and throughout my life even in my 
early to late 20s it's still been something that ebbs and flows it's still something that I manage day to day and it was only around two or three years ago where I really decided that I really wanted to share my experiences that being with not the world it sounds quite dramatic but really try and be open about my experiences because when I was going through alopecia um I had obviously I had a wonderful family and friends which I could not have done done it without and would have been a really really tricky tricky time if I hadn't had the people around me and also my acting which is my escapism but it was really um it was really a time Oh, sorry, I've lost my train of thought there for a second. Um, so one of the reasons why I, I came to a point in my um, late 20s, around two years ago, where I really decided that I wanted to share my stories around alopecia, because when I was going through it, there was no representation. There was no one I knew who had alopecia. And we were so lost. You know, me and my mum were completely lost. We didn't know what to do, who to go to, what doctor to see, where to get a wig. And it was all these questions that I learned over 10 years. So I really just wanted to put literally all this information onto a space, that being on Instagram and a website. So from that, the drive to that um, came in the form of a space called Hair Free, which is just a lovely space for women to get advice about hair loss, chat to other women with hair loss and just see other women with hair loss. I can't explain to you when I was losing my hair, I'd never seen another bald woman. And Mm. now being more open about it has helped me so, so much within my whole hair loss journey. And it's really been the past two years since creating Hair Free that I've really gotten to a really lovely place with my hair loss. And it took a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of time and patience and self-work to kind of get to this place. Um, but I think I'm definitely in a, in a space. So I'm happy to say that, you know, I love my egghead and I, the women who I've met through the hair, hair free platform have just been, have filled me with so much confidence and so much joy. And they've really allowed me to blossom in my journey as well. And, I think what also really, really helped was being in a really lovely, safe relationship, which I had never really had before. And having that feeling of ease and love and respect from someone else really allowed me to do a lot of growing over the past few years as well. So I think with my alopecia in terms of cracking on, one thing that I can definitely say, I didn't let my alopecia stop me from doing anything. And that was one thing that my parents always kind of honed into me, that no matter what you can do and be whatever you want to be. Um, so it was almost growing up, people used to say I used to have quite a, a steely ambition, which I genuinely do believe probably to my detriment in some cases, because I think at a certain point, my career was my everything and that was the thing that gave me purpose and I to be to be the best I needed to achieve within my within my scope of work at the time which was which was acting modeling um so it's just been one of those really interesting paths where with lots of ups and downs and lots of roller coasters and yeah, like I said, I've gotten to a place where I'm really happy with, you know, my life, my friends, my family, my hair loss. And in terms of career, it's funny how the world takes a turn and things are shifting a bit in that department as well, which is quite interesting and um, which we can speak about a bit later also. But yeah, alopecia was bloody tough, but it um, it taught me a lot. And I think it truly did change me. I don't know 
I guess it's hard to say, but I don't know where I'd be if I hadn't have lost my hair. I wonder what kind of person or where I would have ended up because it was and is was a defining part of my life. Not neg- not all negative, but it was definitely a defining part of my of my journey in life thus far. Yeah, and so young. I mean, I think what you know many people might know is you were you were acting and modeling before you lost your hair as well, weren't you? So it was yes. not necessarily, you know, look, it is such a hard thing to go through at any age and at any career. But for someone who was already making strides in the modeling world and acting, mm. I mean, that must feel kind of earth shattering at the age yeah. of 15, wasn't it? Yeah, I think that's one thing that was really, really difficult um, because I was thinking, oh, I'm going to be the next Julia Roberts. I'm going to be the next Kate Moss. Had these wild and wonderful ambitions. And then when the hair loss happened, that was automatically taken away from you. And it really shifted when I did, it's nearly 10 years ago now, but I did a TV show back in Ireland called The Model Agent, literally maybe 10 or 12 years ago. Oh my God, I remember and, this. I was trying uh, to think of the name. I actually Googled it. Like, yeah, okay. Yeah, I remember this so well. And I was like always telling everyone in school, like, oh, she's my friend. That's so funny. There's an amazing model scout called Ellis Kamoba from the UK. And bear in mind, at this time, I was wearing my hair pieces and I was, you know, thinking, you know, I don't think I'm going to be able to act and model, definitely not professionally. And maybe I can still do it for fun. But, you know, my confidence and my self-esteem at that point was at a was at a low. And I think I was just really confused. It was just a lot of confusion around that time. And this amazing model scout, Ellis and Erin O'Connor, who's a really successful model, came over to Ireland and they saw my picture and we met and they were like, yeah, we'd love you to be a part of the show. And, you know, me and my mum told told Ellis that you know I I wear wigs and their reaction to the fact that I had alopecia and I wore wigs they were like and what what's the issue and I was like yeah but I wear wigs that this isn't my hair and they're like give a shit doesn't matter you're we still then you can have a successful career so having someone within within the world of modeling at that time saying that to me really 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 helped and it was after that show and during that show that I really began to believe in my confidence and that steely ambition kind of came back and I then began to think oh maybe I can do this maybe I I can have a career which was really 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 great um Marie bear with me I'm just going to close this door um and then I thought you know I could have a career seeing as these two wonderful women were telling me that I could so after that show I then finished school did my leaving search didn't do very good grades and then I moved to London to start my modeling career essentially and that was me at kind of 18 years old and during the whole time finishing off school I was kind of going to London every single summer and doing the whole thing in London and one of the other really, really big blows in my life was I got into this place in my life where, you know, I'd gotten my confidence back and I was working as a model and it was fantastic. And I moved over, packed my bags, you know, found a place to live in Wilston Green with this lovely, lovely woman called Tessina. And I went into my modeling agency and they said, Amber, yeah, I just, we don't think it's going to work anymore. I'm really, really sorry, but we're going to have to let you go. And it was one of those moments where I was like, what? It was just the biggest, biggest blow. And 
when I look back at that time, it was in around the time where I was wearing my wigs, but it was at a time then when my eyebrows and eyelashes started to fall out. So mm. that made everything a little bit more tricky. And my agency at the time were just like, I'm sorry, there's nothing we can do. And if you were to look back at the fashion industry 10 years ago, a bald model wouldn't have really been accepted. You know, now in this space that we're in now where it's full of diversity and inclusion and representation, and that's kind of celebrated. Back then it was the time when Cara Delevingne was coming up in the work. So it was still that kind of thin, mm. big eyebrows was kind of in. So they just didn't, see me sitting anywhere within that so I think throughout the whole time looking back at that time in my life I think that was one of the really really big blows so I was absolutely gutted and then I came back to Ireland and kind of had a bit of a woe is me moment and it was actually funny in and around that time I was missing acting quite a lot and I randomly got an audition to audition for a film called What Richard Did, which was a beautiful film made in Ireland a good few years ago now. And I ended up going and meeting with the director and I ended up actually getting a part, a small part that actually was eventually cut out of the film, which is really depressing. Yeah, I actually remember. I was so sad. I I saw it in the cinema and it was like special thanks to Amber Rowan. And I think I said it to you when I saw that, I was like, oh, what did you do on the film? Like yeah. I thought maybe because it was like special thanks. I was like, yeah. oh, did she hold the boom? <laughs> like, I was holding the boom. I actually, <laughs> I played um, an ex-girlfriend. I played another kind of love interest, essentially. We had like three or four scenes, but I guess that another love interest kind of just complicated things. They kind of just. Um, oh, that's the real. Show us the, the edited version. We want to see it. <laughs> I want to see it. So that kind of was a wonderful, wonderful thing that happened and such amazing timing because then I was like, right, fuck modeling, fuck y'all. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get stuck back into the thing that really used to make me tick because I think one thing, and a lot of my friends who are modeling can attest to this, is that when you're modeling, it really truly becomes your whole, everything in your whole world because it's so competitive and you you kind of lose confidence in other areas because you're really just doing that and being told what to do to a lot to to a certain extent as well there's not as much freedom um, in modeling than acting sometimes so I was really missing it and it was then after I filmed that then I then was really grateful to become then a part of a acting community which at the time was called The Factory which is now called Bow Street and then I spent around three or four years in Ireland just having an absolute crack within that actor studio kind of learning how to act for screen working with different directors and writers and learning from some of the most talented actors in Irish TV and film today I was lucky enough to to see and watch them work um so that entered then a whole new chapter of my life and then I moved back to London and then I did um straight acting film and TV for around um four years and did some really nice gigs and got to do some traveling and meet some amazing people and play a Russian assassin which was quite which was definitely very very fun love so, it so yeah it's been a it's been a funny old funny old ride to get to where we are now you've done I mean you've done so well and I don't want to you know brush over the fact that um you just went through all of this at such a young age I mean mm. what what was it that because you really like a lot of people could mightn't be as happy as you are today mightn't be able to see the positives is there anything you know 
for me, a lot of things I put down to like yoga and meditation and exercise, they're my kind of things that get me through. What, yeah. like, was there one or two things that, and I know you're really close with your mom as well. Mm-hmm. What were the things that got you through those tough times? Because, okay, 15, and then you have another blow at 18. And then it's like, it that is just, it's so tough. And if someone, yeah. you know, is going through something similar, at that age, what what would you kind of advise that kind of kept you going? Well, to kind of go back to that kind of the whole mentality of keeping going and carrying on, I think a lot of that time and throughout those whole years, I had a mechanism of blocking stuff out. So I genuinely don't feel that I felt the pain as much as I should have. I genuinely feel that from my alopecia, I had this tendency to feel, you know, something really bad would happen and I would just push it down. I'd suppress emotions. I'd suppress anger. I'd suppress hurt and everything was being pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed down. I remember my mum always saying to me, she's like, I don't think it's dawned on you that you have no hair, like like it hasn't dawned on you yet. And as much as, do not get me wrong, it was fantastic shield and a fantastic way to just get on. And it was wonderful. But those coping mechanisms didn't and don't really serve you in life a lot of the time because it's important to feel, it's important to be sad. And those emotions are going to catch up with you, which they did. And that's one thing I would like to speak about. We we can speak about it now. But when I was 25, um, which is only a few years, I'm 28 now, so only a few years ago, was I got my first panic attack for the first time. And bear in mind, throughout this whole tricky teenage and early 20s, I was pretty much happy as Larry, didn't really know what anxiety was. I knew what it was, but I never felt it or had any kind of relation to it. Depression, again, never felt it, didn't really know anything that much about it. Um, I was really just a kind of girl who would just smile and get on and get on and get on. Um, so that kind of came to bite me in the arse when I was 25. And I really equated to, I think I briefly touched on this. It was the first time in my life where I felt at peace and I felt calm. And it was almost like my body was like, right, she's ready to deal with all this shit now. So it all kind of came at once and it didn't really come in thoughts. It just came in like a physical reaction, hence the panic attacks. And after the first one, it then the next, I think it was, I was basically in a constant state of panic attack for around, I think it was a month. And then after that, they kind of come, they come sporadically on and off. And it was the weirdest, weirdest time of my life because it was the happiest I had ever been in my life. I was in this wonderful new relationship where I actually finally felt what true love was meant to feel like and what trust is meant to feel like and what calm and peace is meant to feel like. And then I was battling this anxiety. It was just so so, so distressing. So it was a really, really, really confusing time. So from that, I was then forced basically to start to listen to my body, listen to my thoughts, have a cry, get angry, start to feel. So I went back to do some therapy. I've done therapy sporadically throughout my whole life. It's mostly been led by my mom, who is a psychotherapist herself, always thinks it's very important. So this time it was me who really wanted to go and kind of suss out why this was happening, essentially. Um, So that went on a huge path with that. And also in and around that time, as you speak of, um, you mentioned yoga and meditation. It was at that time where it didn't happen very suddenly, but I kind of started going more and more and more to yoga class and 
learned how to breathe. I know it's like the simplest thing. Yeah, it's so weird though. It's like it's how big, how big, is this? Difference. Yeah. So I had this thing. I went to this amazing Indian doctor, like chiropractor slash acupuncturist slash just what do we call him? Do we call him in this house a wizard? I, I went to him and he. <laughs> I basically went into him, and it was really quite funny. I went in and I and I said, right, this is me. I'm Amber. I did my whole spiel. I've alopecia. I've this. I'm getting panic attacks and I'm also bruising a lot. This was a really, really random, you know, Ben would touch me on the arm and I'd get a bruise and my legs are bruising and it was really an odd thing that was happening. And I was sitting there and whilst I was speaking, he was like, how do you breathe? Do you breathe in through your mouth or in through your nose? And I was like, I don't fucking know my mouth. And he was like, "Mm." well, I think herein lies a lot of your issues. He said, if you're breathing through your mouth, you're starving, you're oxygen, you're starving your body of oxygen, essentially. And when you're not breathing and breathing deeply in through your nose, essentially, your whole body is in a state of anxiety and flux because it's constantly thinking that it's not going to get the next breath. Hence why he believed, actually, a lot of reason why my alopecia and my body was overheating had to do with that. But that's a whole different story. But from him, I set a little timer on my watch. And it would remind me every, I think every 20 minutes or every 15 minutes, a bing would go off and I'd then have to think, notice, oh shit, I'm breathing through my mouth. I better breathe through my nose again. So from that, literally after two weeks, the or, or even a week, I think my whole body completely relaxed and also the bruises went away and the anxiety started to quell a little bit as well alongside the yoga and going to my therapist as well, which made a massive, a massive difference. So in turn, the advice I would give, and what's funny is all the alopecians who I've spoken to over the past two years, the common thread of every single one of these ladies and men is that they have an issue with suppression, that they block everything out, they don't feel. And I don't know if it's the chicken or the egg. I'm not sure, but it's very curious to think that all these people in my life who also have an autoimmune or a hair loss condition that their personality type is one of not emoting very well. And I think then the alopecia then compounds that and then they extra don't, you know, express. Um, So I would say to people, you know, find that thing that you're bloody passionate about because like we spoke about at the beginning of the podcast, you know, going to Betty Ann Northern Theatre School every Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday was, <laughs> was my was my lifeline because the hair loss didn't matter there. So I always say to people, find that passion, find something outside of your hair loss to take your mind away from the hair loss. You know, do some movement. So that being going for a walk, you know, learning how to breathe, maybe doing some yoga, whatever that might be, talking to people, talking it out, but only when you're ready. I think that's another thing as well. Don't feel pressured that, oh my God, you know, I I full alopecia and I I only wear my wigs and I'm never going to get to the place to be hair free. Well, you might never get to the place that you feel comfortable being hair free and that's totally fine because it's your choice, but trying to find some peace within yourself that that's, that that's okay. And everyone's on their journey and it takes, it takes a lot of time. And it's taken me so much time to become comfortable and confident and know myself a bit more and I think that's the one thing with alopecia and the panic attacks they really forced me to get to know myself they forced me Mm -hmm. to do some work on myself and I think everyone has moments throughout their lives where shit happens that really makes them stop and look back and be like right 
what's going on here um so it's taught me a lot of lessons and it's allowed me to meet some fantastic people who I've learned from as well I mean you are just incredible like I just admire you so much and I think your attitude is just like remarkable and it's amazing because as you said you know like not everyone can get to that stage and was there a defining moment for you where you were like okay like I can go hair free today or it was really gradual Mairead like the whole thing in my Alipita journey everything's like baby steps so it was one of those things where for a lot of the time for a time in my life, I'd be comfortable being hair free in a work setting. And I think if you can imagine a work setting is quite controlled, you don't feel as vulnerable, you know who's there, it's professional, no one's gonna say anything to you. Like if you you would arrive at if you were to arrive at an acting gig and someone was to shout, Oi, Baldy, you'd probably get kicked off the set, right? So yeah. <laughs> you know, you have there's a controlled setting around that, which I always felt a little bit more safe with. So it started off, you know, doing the odd self tape with no hair on, doing the odd photo shoot inside, obviously not outside because outside's scary, outside people can judge and say things. So doing shoots inside, um, gradually becoming more and more comfortable with that. Again, within my relationship, you know, feeling me with or without my hair, kind of a lot of it came through that and a lot of help came with that through my boyfriend, Benjamin, um, so again, really, really gradual steps. And I actually spoke about it today because today is like the two years when it actually happened was I decided to go to Goa. I was looking to go to Goa and to do my yoga teacher training. And I decided, right, F this. I'm not going to take the wig with me in the suitcase. I'm going to go hair free. It's 40 degrees. <laughs> I'd be mad to take a wig. So I decided not to um, say goodbye to Ben at the airport with my little egg out I was like well no I didn't have my egg out I had a scarf on and did not take that off and (laughs) the weirdest weirdest thing happened when I was in the middle of Chennai I think getting a you know the next plane to go up this lovely lovely guy comes up to me and he goes um Amber and I said uh yes and he's like this is really random um but I seen an article of you um a picture of you modeling in dazed and confused and you spoke about your hair loss my name's nick and i have alopecia too and we found out that we were going on the same yoga teacher training <gasps> oh my god i have goosebumps <laughs> so literally which that was just like the universe saying amber chill out everything's going to be fine so we arrived there and i think it was the second day in or the third day in bear in mind bear in mind a headscarf is still a shield right no one can see like my bald actual flesh because if you can imagine what if you can imagine it's basically like walking down Grafton Street with your legs wide open with your vagina out that's basically how vulnerable it feels essentially it feels like this naked open wound on on one's head essentially so we were in the middle like the most beautiful morning we got up at like 5 30 a.m every morning I was up there and I had my headscarf on. I did the whole yoga practice. And it was towards the end where I genuinely had this like outer body experience of my body screaming and my mind screaming at me being like, take the scarf off, just take it off. And it like that voice kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And I just did it. It was before the Shavasana. I just took it off and lay there. And then for the first time, I felt like true, like breeze on my head. And I just had this most like almost orgasmic moment just lying there in Shavasana after this class just feeling 
so empowered and I remember I got up and Nick the beautiful guy Nick came over to me and I can't remember for the life of me what he said or maybe he just put his hand on my shoulder it might have just been simple as that but having that moment after I'd gone hair free for the first time and having someone like that you know just put his hand on my shoulder just made me feel so safe and and so free and throughout that time I then took my headscarf off for the whole time I was there and yes I got weird and wonderful looks because I look odd anyway I'm very white and very freckly and then and then to have no hair you know the Indian people thought I looked like a bit of an alien but you know each day got better each day I enjoyed it more each day I got a few more freckles on my head so it didn't look as jarring of having this tanned face and a bald head and you know I felt raindrops for the first time on my head I went swimming in the Indian Sea for the first time like all these amazing experiences that I kind of really did a lot of I look back now and I really think that trip had a huge impact to where I am in my life now that you don't even think about at the time mm-hmm. and again you know me and Ben didn't really speak for those three or four weeks I really just kind of wanted to not be on my phone so that was a big that was a big thing for me as well and it was just bloody wonderful and you know looking back now two years on how far I've come and what's gone on and still the yoga is a huge part of my life still and I love it I don't practice half as much as I want to but it's still one of those things of just breathing and moving does bloody wonders really really does Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's a thing as well that once you have it in your life it doesn't matter how long you go without it you know that it's there and I think then when you do it you're like oh why don't I do this every day you know know. (laughs) it's so true it really is so true so that was a real wonderful wonderful time in my life and it's so funny that today is the day I think it was like my second day there today I got a notification on my phone you know when it reminds you of the pictures and it was me like in this warrior pose with a lovely toned belly, like in the middle of Goa, I was like, oh God, this, I co- thought, yeah. this, this quarantine life is not good for any of us. <laughs> but honestly, that story, I have goosebumps, but I'm also just imagining it and it is like a better version of Eat, Pray, Love. Like I need the film. I'm going to need you to just turn give that me, story into yes. <laughs> I have I haven't acted in a couple of years, Marie. You can give me my debut back back in front of the camera. Okay, that is a deal. I'm <laughs> deal, on it. Deal, deal. <laughs> but that is so incredible. Wow. Like, I just, yeah, I have goosebumps. Oh. And what are some of the things like you've, so you have this amazing, I, I, one thing I, I love to hear so much is when there is not the kind of help available to you, make the help, be the help that is, you know, and you have this amazing community now. So is it, you know, is it, is the community still growing? How does it work? Tell people, you know, cause there, there might yeah. be people that would benefit from this online community as well. So yeah, yeah. totally. So it really kind of sits, as I said, on Instagram. So even the Instagram in itself is a place for where I share pictures, share women's stories, do eyebrow, eyelash, wig tutorials, whatever that might be. And then the website as well as even more intricate to tutorials and um, other women who've shared their stories in more of a blog setting they come on and share the blog and um, so it's growing it's always constantly growing it's one one of those things that I don't kind of put energy behind pushing essentially it's one of those things that if a tutorial or, or an idea or a thought kind of comes to me organically I I share it that way I I try not to make it this structured thing 
um, which I quite like because it's such a special space and a safe space where I feel that I can really share and I have a great community there. And it was over the past, when lockdown happened last year, I've always had an idea um, again, coming back to hair free, why hair free started was because it didn't exist and no help existed. And it was this time last year where I was just so fed up. Um, I still wear wigs. I adore, adore, adore wearing my wigs. They're a huge part of my life. I love the fun they bring. I love the freedom they bring. But I've always bloody hated the place I used to buy my hair from. I always felt that the either the quality was really shy, the customer service was bad, I was taken advantage of. And um, I've heard from tons and tons of people that they've had the same situation of people either ripping them off, taking them, you know, taking them on a ride and really just taking advantage of people who were at probably one of their most vulnerable times in their life, either if they're losing their hair from alopecia or hair loss or chemotherapy whatever that might be these companies don't have empathy or sympathy for this and a lot of the time they take advantage and it was one of those things where through hair free one of the main things people ask me is you know where do you get your wigs how do you make the wigs look cool you know I've had this issue with my wig supplier help essentially and I decided then last year that enough's enough and I decided that I wanted to create my own wig and beauty brand essentially. So um, over the past year, that's really been my main main passion and main goal and we're so close to launching. We launch in a couple of weeks and Amber Jean, it's called Amber Jean Shop and we're launching with beautiful, gorgeous hair pieces that are, that are ethically sourced down the line, we're um, bringing into market um, scalp care products for women who have any kind of irritation from their hair loss or from wearing wigs. We're doing shampoo and conditioners to really allow the women to look after their hair pieces as much as possible. And the main thing is that I wanted to just change the whole hair buying experience. I wanted this experience to be as fun as pop as possible, as you know, as joyful as possible because it because the chances are if you're losing your hair, you're not going to be in a good place. So why is there not something out there to make that process even that little bit easier? You know, I'm sure every single person has a, you know, a story of someone who either had gone through chemotherapy or had lost their hair. It's so close to home. And nearly every single person who has gone to try and to have found a hair hair piece is met with so much confusion, dreary advertising, medicalized, you know, copy, nothing that's in any way inspiring. So I really want Amber Jean to be the place to, you come to, to get your hair pieces, but also to feel that it's okay. And there's no taboo around wearing a hair piece. And it really just can be really, really fun. And it's nothing, nothing to be ashamed of. And you know, the hair pieces have come along such an amazing way that you wouldn't even know they're awake because they're they're so beautifully made these days. So that's been my main um, ambition and main goal to give women what I didn't really have. And one of our main things is I want this to be a, a guiding service for women. So from the minute you come onto the Ambergine uh, website or through the Instagram to the moment you receive your hair piece in the post, every single part of that journey is mapped out of how I would have liked it uh, from someone who has been wearing wigs for 13 years. You know, I've learned a lot of what the process should look like and you need your hand held, especially if it's your first wig. It's such a confusing process. So, um, so yeah, I put all my 
put all my knowledge to to the test and yeah we're launching a brand in a couple of weeks which is mad so I'm I'm really excited for it and it's been a real journey I've been doing it with my my dad's been a huge help and um, he's a business consultant and strategist in Ireland and as much as I I know wigs and I know what people need he's been the real kind of lots of the brains behind the ambition to to try and make it into a business which has been really fun journey and also really great for our relationship to be able to work on something um that we both believe in so much you know Wow. Oh my God. I'm emotional listening to that because I mean, the passion that you speak about it with is, I think it just sells it enough, you know, it's it's so incredible. And I have no doubt that it is going to be the success that you, you know, hope and more because you're so right. Like it, it doesn't need to, and look, I watched my mom lose her hair a few times because she was sick for so many years and you're so right it is it's it becomes this kind of medical thing where you're like you're you're referred to a place that is like in the middle of nowhere and you know it's there's nothing fun about it it's really awkward and you don't want to spend long in there so you just you know you get whatever wig is available and is the closest to your coloring and then you go home and you just exactly. you know, and it's so sad because as you said it's you're at, in such a vulnerable place and it's a time when you need you know someone to say okay this is okay and this is actually this can be a fun side of it it doesn't need to yeah. be this awful. It doesn't need to be this dreary awful thing and yeah it's just about communication and knowing what that woman's going through and genuinely the really funny thing is when I think back to 10 years ago when I started my modeling career you know like the wigs helped me, I think, in a way, because beforehand I had, before my hair fell out, my hair was quite thin and awful. And when I started wearing wigs, I really found a lot of confidence in a way a few years down the line that I could have, wow, I could have this thick, long blonde hair that I've always dreamed of, you know, mm, yeah. which is just a kind of funny thing. And and back to your mom, I remember your mom, she was an absolute legend. And I'm so sorry, I'm ready for your loss. She is an, an angel. She's amazing. And like you say, anyone who has been through that knows how how tricky it is because, you know, a woman is struggling with so much and then to know that their hair is going to go on top of that is a blow and to make that in any way a bit lighter for a woman, to make it a little bit more joyous, um, that's what we're here to do, basically. Well, that, that's that, that's the hope and that's the dream. That yeah, I, hope that it helps. I, I have no doubt that that will will be you know an incredible success and I am I'm so happy for you I think you're doing what you're meant to be doing and it's just so amazing to see um I mean oh god like there's so many things that I could talk about <laughs> we could talk like all day I want to I mean I presume that is all your crack on stories I like I don't want to drain you and pull anything no. out of you but um okay a time you cracked under pressure I was thinking this auditions like I'm yeah. I'm shite at auditions and every job I've ever gotten in the act when I was acting and I'm acting is always been through a self tape. There's been a couple of auditions that I've done well in, but I'm you know especially if there's any kind of pressure and you kind of build up the audition some way in your head. There's definitely been times where I've just you know they've just been woeful, like woeful, woeful, woeful. Like they say that they had the crack watching back those self tapes, having a giggle at how bad I was. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh my god like the idea of them doing that is so mean is there any like uh is there any scenario that comes to mind that was like really yeah. bad well this is actually for commercial casting which I don't really do that often anymore and I'm not the kind of girl who gets booked for commercials I've never booked a commercial in my life maybe this is probably why but it was for um a coffee brand I think and my acting agent they asked me you know can you dance and like I can move you know I can shake around a little bit but I'm not in any way a dancer dancer but I can move and it was for this coffee ad and I walked in and they were basically like right and at this time also you were in there with like three other people and they're like right basically what we want you to do girls is I want you to pretend like you're making coffee so like you're a barista but whilst you're doing that I want you to do an, an interpreter's dance whilst you're doing it and they had all these like props around the place they're like you know use the props use the coffee grinder use the frother whilst you're doing this and I was like what the fuck have I got myself into so all these girls I kind of like stood back for a while and then these girls like broke out into this most elaborate dance pieces I've ever seen <laughs> cartwheels flips turns and I was there just like like getting my spoon and just like trying to make coffee whilst like doing a plie it was honestly the most embarrassing thing so genuinely I'm sure that has gone viral maybe somewhere in India somewhere that of me <laughs> trying to interpret dance whilst trying to do the splits while trying to then make like an espresso fucking martini or something I can't even remember but that is I was a corker we need to see the ad like that ad sounds insane <laughs> maybe they use that fo- the actual footage for the ad Maybe, and that's why we maybe, haven't seen it. Maybe, maybe I'm really were famous on, in India. But maybe you were on, like, Practical Jokers or impra- what is it called? Like, maybe that oh, was practical it. Practical Jokers. I mean, hilarious. I'd love to watch that. It's so funny. Oh, that's so great. Auditions are so weird. Like they're so odd. It's so funny. Like I've, I think this is honestly the norm in like group auditions. But like when they say stuff and they're like, "Okay, be winter," and everyone's like running around the room, being that season. And I'm like, (laughs) is no one just going to be like, "Here, what the fuck are we doing?" Like this is. (laughs) But that's what I find about the acting world as well. You can get caught up in all this absolute shite, and sometimes you're like, "Really? Yeah, really." I because people need to be brought back down to earth sometimes that it can you know we're not saving the world we're just playing make-believe which is all we really all we do and it's fab and it's fun and it's yeah gives people life and love and all the rest of it but you know relax yeah I mean I always like have this joke when Aaron comes home from work I'm like okay like like sometimes if he's like oh I had such a long day I'm like you play dress up like you play dress up for a living and he's always like I there's no chance of me getting a big head if I like you know ever get really famous because like I am literally there like knocking him down a peg being like you play dress up <laughs> you play dress up for a living you have someone giving you food and driving you to places you're fine have you ever cracked a bone no I've never cracked anything ever really. great news okay yeah and I, I, it's one of those things it was the first time in my life last year that I was stung by a bee which I was really good at about because I thought I'd go through my whole life without being stung by a bee but last year it got me and so I'm thinking maybe in my life I'll crack something but yeah it's been 28 years and I haven't cracked anything no that's great news I think you know you're the odds are higher when you're younger anyway you know like when you're kids yeah um 
Okay, so I, I mean, I wanted to ask what you're working on and like where we can find you and everything. But I mean, we kind of yeah. covered that, didn't we? Like what you're yeah. up to. But I guess yeah. like share your social media pages so that people can know where to find you. Yes. So as I said, the past year, I've really just been working on getting Amberjean's shop off the ground. And we are. It's launching in a couple of weeks. And the Instagram handle for that is Amberjean's shop. And the website URL is amberjeanshop.com. And then with everything that we spoke about within Hair Free, um, the Instagram handle for that for that is Hair Free Life, and the URL for that is hairfree.life. Um, so you can find lots of tips and tutorials and lots of fun blogs there as well. And with Amber Jean Shop also, yeah, stay stay tuned for some lovely um hair pieces coming your way very soon. Yay. Yay. That sounded like an advert at the end there. That was a bit cringe, wasn't it? No. Oh my God. It's like so fab. <laughs> okay, so one question I do actually like to um to finish on. I don't know if you are into reality TV, but yes. I love it. And I want to ask who your fave reality TV star is. Oh God. Who is it? I'm just trying to think of I guess that's not reality TV, is it? Oh, 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 no. I'm trying to think. Let me just think this for a second because what do I watch? Obviously, I put on the Kardashians, but I, I hate that I watch it sometimes, but it's always on in the background. Oh, you know, first dates. I love the the guy, the waiter guy in first dates. I love all the people who are on first dates. Yes, that's a good one. Well, I just want to say a huge thank you for, I mean, this went by so fast. I'm almost like, wow, did we like, I know. Was it more than 15 minutes? <laughs> but you are just incredible. I cannot, I mean, as someone who knew you, you know, as a child, I'm just so proud. I know that's like a weird thing to say, but I'm just, you are just so incredible. And you've taken all these lessons and made such amazing, positive difference to the world. So I am just very grateful that you shared everything that you did. Thank you, Maureen. It's so nice getting to reminisce in our times together, because as, as I said, those Betty Ann times were a huge part of my life and you were a big part of that too so it's so nice to reminisce and just have a bit of a giggle and this podcast is awesome so keep doing it and keep rocking gal you too you're a superstar <laughs> thank you so much thank you darling welcome to the amber fan club isn't she brill Thank you again for listening and sharing. I'm going to share all of Amber's Instagram handles on my Instagram, which is at Doyler. I don't think I've included that before. And please, if you are inspired by this episode or any of the others, share it around, story it, send it into your family WhatsApp group, the one with everyone in it and not just the one with your favourite siblings so that you can bitch about the others. I want everyone to hear these amazing stories and come back next week for another episode of Crack On. Crack On.